0: The Story of the Blind Baba Abdallah A 1001 Nights An Arabic Fairy Tale written by Noborosta. I was born commander of the faithful in Baghdad and was left an orphan while I was yet a very young man for my parents died within a few days of each other I had inherited from them a small fortune which I worked hard night and day to increase till at last I found myself the owner of 80 camels these I hurried out to traveling merchants, whom I frequently accompanied on their various journeys, and always returned with large profits. One day I was coming back from Balsora, where I had taken a supply of goods intended for India and halted at noon in a lonely place which promised rich pasture for my camels. I was resting in the shade under a tree, when a dervish going on foot towards Belzora sat down by my side, and I inquired whence he had come and to what place he was going. We soon made friends, and after we had asked each other the usual questions, we produced the food we had with us and satisfied our hunger. While we were eating the dervish happened to mention that in a spot only a little way off from the where we sit in, there was a hidden treasures so great that if my eighty camels were loaded till they could carry no more, the hidden place would seem as full as if it had never been touched. At this news I became almost beside myself with joy and agreed, and I flung my arms round the neck of the dervish exclaiming Good dervish, I see plainly that the riches of the world are nothing to you. Therefore, of what use is the knowledge of this treasure to you? Alone on foot, you could carry away a mere handful. But tell me where it is, and I will load my 80 camels with it and give you one of them as a token of my gratitude. Certainly, my offer did not sound very magnificent, but it was great to me for at his words, a wave of covetousness, had swept over my heart, and I almost felt, as if the seventy-nine camels that were left were nothing in comparison. The dervish saw quite well what was passing in my mind, but he did not show that he thought of my proposal. My brother, he answered quietly, you know, as well as I do, that you are behaving unjustly. It was open to me to keep my secret, and to reserve the treasure for myself. But the fact that I have told you of its existence showed that I had confidence in you, and that I hope to earn your gratitude forever by making your fortune as well as mine. But before I reveal to you the secret of the treasure, you must swear that after we have loaded the camels with as much as they can carry, you will give half to me and let us go our own ways, I think you will see that this is fair. For you, present me with 40 camels. I, on my side, will give you the means of buying a thousand more. I could not, of course, deny that what the dervish said was perfectly reasonable. But in spite of that, the thought that the dervish would be as rich as I was unbearable to me. Still, there was no use in discussing the matter. And I had to accept his condition or bewail to the end of my life of the loss of immense wealth. So I collected my camels, and we set out together under the guidance of the dervish. After walking some time, we reached what looked like a valley, but with such a narrow entrance that my camels could only pass one by one. The little valley, or open space, was shut up by two mountains, whose sides were a of straight cliffs, which with no human being could climb. When we were exactly between these mountains, the dervish stopped. Make your camels lie down in this open space he said so that we can easily load them then we will go to the treasure. I did what I was bid and rejoined the dervish whom I found trying to kindle a fire out of some dry wood. As soon as it was alight, he threw on it a handful of perfumes and pronounced a few words that I did not understand, and immediately a thick column of smoke rose high into the air. He separated the smoke into two columns, and then I saw a rock, which stood like a pillar between the two mountains, slowly open, and a splendid palace appeared within. But, commander of the faithful, the love of gold had taken such possession of my heart that I could not even stop to examine the riches, but fell upon the first pile of gold within my reach and began to heave it into the sack that I had brought with me. The dervish-like was set to work, but I soon noticed that he confined himself to collecting precious stones, and I felt I should be wise to follow his example. At length, the camels were loaded with as much as they could carry, and nothing remained but to seal up the treasure and go our ways. Before, however, this was done, the dervish went up to a great golden vase, beautifully chased, and took from it a small wooden box, which he hid in the bosom of his dress, merely saying that it contained a special kind of ointment. Then he once more kindled the fire, threw on the perfume, and murmured the unknown spell, and the rug closed, and stood whole as before. The next thing was to divide the camels and to charge them with the treasure – after we took command of our own and marched out of the valley, till we reached the place in the high road where the routes diverged, and then we parted, the dervish going towards Belzora and I to Baghdad. We embraced each other tenderly, and I poured out my gratitude for the honor he had done me, in singling me out for this great wealth. And having said a heartily farewell, we turned our backs and hastened after our camels. I had hardly come up with mine when the demon of envy filled with my soul. What does a dervish want with riches like that? I said to myself, he alone has the secret of the treasure and can always get as much as he wants, and hold my camels by the roadside and ran back after him. I was a quick runner, and it did not take me very long to come up with him. My brother, I exclaimed as soon as I could speak. Almost at the moment of our leave taken, a reflection occurred to me, which is perhaps new to you. You are a dervish by profession and live a very quiet life, only caring to do good and careless of the things of this world. You do not realize the burden that you lay upon yourself when you gather into your hands such great wealth beside the fact that no one who is not accustomed to camels from his birth can never manage the stubborn beast. If you are wise, you will not encumber yourself with more than thirty and you will find those trouble enough. You are right, replied the dervish, who understood me quite well but did not wish to fight the matter. I confess, I had not thought about it. Choose any ten you like, and drive them before you. I selected ten of the best camels, and we proceeded along the road to rejoin those I had left behind. I had got what I wanted, but I had found the dervish so easy to deal with that I rather regretted I had not asked for ten more. I looked back. He had only gone a few paces, and I called after him. My brother, I said, I am unwilling to part from you without pointing out what I think you scarcely grasp." The large experience of camel driving is necessary to anybody who intends to keep together a troop of thirty. In your own interest, I feel sure you would be much happier if you entrusted ten more of them to me. For with my pricter it is all one to me, if I take two or a hundred. As before, the dervish made no difficulties and I drove off my ten camels in triumph only leaving him with twenty for his share. I had now sixty, and anyone might have imagined that I should be content. But, commander of the faithful, there is a proverb that says, the more one has, the more one wants. So it was with me. I could not rest as long as one solitary camel remained to the dervish, and returning to him I redoubled my prayers and embraces and promises of eternal gratitude till the last twenty were in my hands. Make a good use of them, my brother, said the holy man. Remember, riches sometimes have wings, if we keep them for ourselves, and the poor are at our gates expressly that we may help them. My eyes were so blinded by gold that I paid no heed to his wise counsel and only looked about for something else to grasp. Suddenly I remembered the little box of ointment that the dervish had hidden, in which most likely contained a treasure, more precious than all the rest, giving him one last embrace, I observed it accidentally. What are you going to do with that little box of ointment? It seems hardly worth taking with you. You might as well let me have it. And really, a dervish who has given up the world has no need of ointment. Oh, if he had only refused my request. But then, supposing he had, I should have got possession of it by force. So great was the madness that had laid hold upon me. However, far from refusing it, the dervish at once held it out, saying gracefully, Take it, my friend. And if there is anything else I can do to make you happy, you must let me know. Directly the box was in my hands. I wrenched off the cover. As you are so kind, I said, Tell me, I pray you, what are the virtues of this ointment? They are most curious and interesting, replied the dervish. If you apply a little bit to your left eye, you will behold in an instant all the treasures hidden in the bowels of the earth. But beware, lest you touch your right eye with it, or your sight will be destroyed forever. His words excited my curiosity to the highest pitch. Make trial on me, I implore you, I cried, holding out the box to the dervish. You well know how to do it better than I. I am burning with impatience to test its charms. The dervish took the box I had extended to him, and bidding me shut my left eye, it gently with an ointment. When I opened it again, I saw spread out, as it were before me, treasures of every kind and without number, but as all this time I had been obliged to keep my right eye closed, which was very fatiguing, I begged the dervish to apply the ointment to the eye also. If you insist upon it, I will do it, entered the dervish, but you must remember what I told you just now, that if it touched your right eye, you will become blind on the spot. Unluckily, in spite of my having proved the truth of the dervish words in so many instances, I was firmly convinced that he was now keeping concealed from me some hidden precious virtue of the ointment. So I turned a deaf ear to all he said. My brother, I replied smiling, I see you are joking. It's not natural that the same ointment should have two such exactly opposite effects. It's true all the same, answered the dervish, and it would be well for you if you believed my word. But I would not believe, and dazzled by the greed of avarice, I thought that if one eye could show me riches, the other might teach me how to get possession of them, and I continued to press at the dervish to anoint my right eye, but this he resolutely declined to do. After having conferred such benefits on you, said he, I am loth indeed to work you such evil. Think what it is to be blind, and do not force me to do what you will repent as long as you live. It was of no use. My brother, I said firmly, pray, say no more, but do what I ask. I have most generously responded to my wishes up to this time. Do not spoil my recollection of you for a thing of such a little consequence. Let what will happen, I take it on my own head, and will never reproach you. Uh, ''Since you are determined upon it,'' he answered with a sigh, ''there is no use talking.'' And taking the ointment, he laid some in my right eye, which was tight shut. When I tried to open it, heavy clouds of darkness floated before me. I was as blind as you see me now. ''Miserable dervish!'' I shrieked. ''So it is true after all. Into what a bottomless pit has my lust after to plunged me?'' Oh, now that my eyes are closed, they are really opened. I know that all my sufferings are caused by myself alone. But, good brother, you who are so kind and charitable, and known the secrets of such waste learning, have you nothing that will give me back my sight? Unhappy man, replied the dervish, it's not my fault that this has befallen you, but it is a just chastisement. The blindness of your heart has wrought the blindness of your body. Yes, I have the secrets that you have seen in the short time that we have known each other, but I have none that will give you back your sight. You have proved yourself unworthy of the riches that were given you. Now they have passed into my hands, when they will flow into the hands of others, less greedy and ungrateful than you. The dervish said no more and left me speechless with shame and confusion, and so wretched that I stood rude to the spot while he collected the eighty camels and proceeded on his way to Belzora. It was in vain that I entreated him to not leave me, but at least to take me within reach of the first passing caravan. He was deaf to my prayers and cries, and I should soon have been dead of hunger and misery if some merchants had not come along the track the following day and kindly brought me back to Baghdad. From a rich man I had in one moment become a beggar, and up to this time I have lived solely on the alms that have been bestowed on me. But in order to expiate the sin of avarice, which was my undoing, I obliged each passerby by to give me a blow. This, Commander of the Faithful, is my story. When the blind man had ended, the Caliph addressed him: Bababdallah, truly your sin is great but you have suffered enough. Henceforth, repent in private, for I will see that enough money is given you day by day for all your wants. At these words, Baba flung himself at the Caliph's feet and prayed that honor and happiness might be his portion forever. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please share it with your friends and family. If you learned something, say it in the comments in social networks. Please review our channel, leave a like and subscribe. Thank you.